right. Hello and welcome to Back of the Net CISE Soccer Podcast. Today we have Austin Pack. He is one of the goalkeepers for the Charlotte Independence Pro Team here out of Charlotte. Austin, thanks. Welcome. Hopefully uh, we have a good conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's just jump right into it, man. Um, we were talking a little bit before we got started. You're from Atlanta. You played in the, the academy. And then tell us where you went to college and then how you got into the pro game and where you started. Yeah, I came up through Atlanta, playing all of my club soccer through Atlanta, Atlanta Fire United, Georgia United Academy. From there, came up to UNC Charlotte, actually, to play four seasons here with the 49ers. And then from there, moved on to professional with the old NESL that's no longer with us down in, uh, in Puerto Rico. Spent two years down there. So it's been a long journey. A lot what, of years Puerto- what is Puerto Rico like? You were there for two whole years. Did you just work during the soccer season? Did you come back home? Like, how did that work? Uh, I came back home for Christmas. It was a, uh, it was an experience for sure. I loved it down there. And two seasons, my rookie year, being in Puerto Rico. I mean, it was a dream come true for me. But it was fun. Carmelo Anthony was the owner, sole owner of the team. <laughs> Living down there on the island, twenty-one years old. I mean, I can't complain. And the NESL was a high level, so it was a, it was a learning experience for me. All right, and then did you did you leave um, the Puerto Rico team out of the NASL before the league folded, or did you did you leave after it and then got picked up by the Riverhounds out of Pittsburgh? Uh, I left afterwards. I actually signed an extension on my contract with Puerto Rico, and then expected to go back, but the league folded. The team didn't participate in any in the games the next season, so everybody was left a little bit after Hurricane Maria to pack up, get off the island find a club as soon as possible and uh, I ended up in in Portland with the Timbers playing for Timbers 2 for one year luckily after after the hurricane and after the league folded. Was that Vidovich when you were there for the Portland Timbers 2 or was it somebody else who was the coach? No they brought in uh, Gio Savarese he was uh, the Cosmos head coach and it was his first MLS coaching experience there with the Timbers so uh, we knew each other from the NESL pretty well and uh, he did a few guys a few favors with bringing them over from the NASL and, and trying to get them spots because once that league folded, there was a few hundred players looking looking for teams, so everybody was scrambling. It was a, a crazy time. Yeah, I got to imagine there probably wasn't a, hundred, a few hundred spots available um, since the USL sort of jumped into that second division sanctioning from the MLS. For anybody that's not aware, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Austin, but Essentially, NASL was a competing league with the USL, uh, and they were back and forth. At one point, the NASL had the second division status as sort of a supported league underneath the MLS, uh, and then due to very various business decisions and just as things work out, um, the USL, which is the league that the Charlotte Independence is under, um, they ended up getting that moniker of Division Two underneath the MLS, and some of those MLS2 teams, like you're talking about with Portland, joined um, – as either reserve teams or second teams for that pro club in the second division, which is the USL championship, which is what the independence plays in. That that pretty much sum that up? That's correct. So at, at one point, NESL and USL were actually both sanctioned by U.S. soccer to both be recognized as second division in the United States in the pyramid. So it would go MLS and then side-by-side, USL, NESL. Um, but after a few... Uh, lawsuits i think the nasl was filing collusion against u.s soccer against mls that's a whole nother story but they ended up uh packing it up and now it's just the usl at second division 
Right. And then we, we actually talked to Mike Jeffries um, a month or so back, maybe a month and a half ago back when we kind of went over some of these things. But there's also another there's also another um, division in the USL. So there's the USL Championship, which is the top uh, the top league, the second league in the country for soccer. And then there's also, and I'm going to mess this up, is it USL, is it called USL 1 or USL 2? USL League 1. Will and then there's the- also the PDL that plays underneath that as well. League 2, correct. Okay. Yeah, so it's sort of a similar structure to if you're looking at England, right? You know, the, you've got the Premiership and the Championship and then League 1, which is actually the third division. So it can be a little confusing to hold it all in your head. All right, exactly. so you were at you were at Portland, and then how did you did you did you have, did I mess that up? Did you stop at Pittsburgh at one point before you came I here? I stopped at Pittsburgh last season, so I went Puerto Rico to Portland to Pittsburgh, uh, one season in Portland, and then one season in Pittsburgh, and then found myself back here. Um, this is my first year here in Charlotte. Yeah, welcome. It's a coming back. Obviously, it was college and not growing up, but glad to have you, man. It's exciting. And the club, the club's really excited. I mean, you probably know a little bit about this, but we as a club, we merged three, three other clubs uh, about a year ago. Uh, we merged the Discoveries out of Rock Hill in South Carolina. We, we merged um, Carolina Rapids, which used to be North Mech, which is probably the longest standing club in the area, and then also Lake Norman Soccer Club. Uh, so we had three, three different clubs from Rock Hill all the way up until the Mooresville, South Statesville area, something like a 60-mile geographic radius. Um, and then we, we got connected with the pro team and now we are the youth club of the Charlotte independent soccer club. And it's, uh, yeah, it's grown a lot from, from when I was in college, Charlotte independence is just coming up and they were playing and training out of, uh, the rugby center. And now after being gone for a few years, coming back, it's a, it's a huge club. Well, before we get into some of the independent stuff, I really want to know, cause we we have we have goalkeepers in the club, but I would love to have more goalkeepers in the club. It's such a different position, right? So I want to know when you got into that position and when you kind of made that switch full time, and just kind of like hear your thoughts on it, how it might be different than the field player position, or some of the things that you know stick out for you. So tell us about that goalkeeping position. Uh, everyone has a similar story. I feel like how they got into into goalkeeping, and I started probably full time in net at 10, 11 years old, playing seven, eight, nine years old at a, at a recreational level. And then once I got to 10, joined a real club and started playing for real and started playing maybe one half in goal, one half on the field as a 10 year old. And then slowly you start staying in goal, start staying in goal. And then before you know it, it's too late. You're a full-time <laughs> goalkeeper. And, 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 and you just go from there. And once you're in high school, you just, training the specific position all the way to middle school, high school, um, and just and working your way up from there. But I feel like everybody everybody gets stuck in there, and then they never look back. And five years down the line, they're, they're full-time goalkeeper. They're never back out on the field scoring goals. <laughs> well, that's, that's not exactly true, right? Every time, every time there's pickup or the coaches isn't looking, I feel like the goalkeepers are running up and playing the nine. They're telling oh, somebody yeah, else they've got a jumping goal. It's your turn to score, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> it never fails. It never fails. You're at camp. You're working camp, and you got ten field players, you know, playing pickup, and two goalkeepers, and the two goalkeepers refuse to play between the sticks. It's not practice. We're playing. In, we're playing up front. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's how you got in that position. Give me a little bit of insight, um, and you know, you could take this anywhere that you want to take it. But I'd love to know, you know, whether it's in the training environment, whether it's the mentality of the position, whether it's you know the sort of the sports performance piece, the way you train. 
physically. I, I just like to hear from from you as a professional goalkeeper what you think the position is or how it's different or maybe some some things that you really have to focus on in that position. And you can even look at it like seriously, take this however you want, but you know, start start at the youth level or just jump right into the pro level. I'd just love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think the main thing is you want to find a kid that that enjoys the position and, and that's the is never gonna work out if if they're miserable in net. So just just having fun diving around, getting dirty, being brave, everything that, that comes with it and and then from there just just working your way up and and it's definitely a different mentality, a different style of training. You're more isolated and you're more by yourself. It's almost like uh for the most part, coming up, it's almost an individual sport unless it's Saturday night. You're you're in goal. You're with your goalkeeper coach. You're working on your own skills. You're not side by side with your teammates. You're not in the passing drills. You're not in all of that. You're by yourself. So it's almost like a, a golfer or a tennis player where it's one on one and or maybe two goalkeepers and one coach and, and you're working in a small group and it's just you back there. So I think I took to that that aspect. I like being able to be responsible for my own play and being able to be responsible for my own training where it's just one-on-one every day trying to get better, get better, get better. And, and I think that that's a big difference when it comes to soccer is obviously a team sport, but um, if you're a field player, you're relying a lot more on, on who's next to you, who's in front of you passing the ball and moving where goalkeeper training is a lot of times it's just you and your goalkeeper coach training one-on-one constantly so that's a different different mindset you have to have and then from there just the the emotional and the mental aspect of it is uh is definitely a different animal i think for goalkeepers i'm always wondering you know particularly based off of the suspension of play you know we had a we had a month of I guess over a month, we had the entire month of June where we were back on the field under what we called our return to play protocols. I think your league uses something similar now that you guys have started back up. You have a return to play protocol set, but we were doing non-contact. So most of practice was was technical work and we were trying to find different ways to compete. And I talked to Mike about this as well. Um, I wonder if as a goalkeeper, I, I just, I, I'm always balancing you know, what does a goalkeeper's improvement look like in terms of what they're required to do and what does a field player's uh, improvement look like in terms of what they're required to do? So I wonder what are, I wonder what when you guys had the break prior to being back out on the field, how you were able to keep sharp and improve. Like what were some things that you did and, you know, do you think that was different than what the field players were able to do or do you think it might have been more effective than what the field players were able to do? Uh, everyone kind of, I think, looked at it with the same intentions and said, we have a unknown period of time where we're not going to be playing. And I think especially with us here at Charlotte, everyone took an initiative to try to get in the best physical condition they can, they can get to. So I mean, even with Corona going on, people were able to run, work out, just work on their physical conditioning. So um, same with goalkeepers. I, I know me and Brandon, we were out there training, working a lot on uh, our strength, our conditioning, agility work, working through cones. Um, but the hard part is the game, game situational, being away for so long and then jumping back into games with a very short pre-season, second preseason. Uh, the situational aspect 
was is going to be the hardest part to just jump back in. Everybody's fit, everybody's been running, but seeing the ball again on a full field with 11 players is is going to be a different story. So adjusting quick to that is going to be the, the biggest difficulty for me. But uh, during our time off, just working out, trying to get trying to get fit, trying to get faster, jump higher, all of that kind of stuff. So that was what just trying to do the best with what we had during the during the long break. What does a goalkeeper's sports performance look like versus like a field player's? Are they the same? Are they different? If so, how are they different? Like, were you doing they're, the same exercises different. that the field players were doing? They're they're much different. So a field player obviously is going to work a lot on on endurance, maybe extended length of running. Uh, where goalkeepers is purely you're working your your. I'm not a sports performance expert here but you're working on more explosive movements for shorter periods of time so uh low volume high high output so more jumping less running a lot of change of direction leg strength core strength all of that whereas a field player their their main concern is getting that cardiovascular trying to run around for nine minutes 90 minutes where a goalkeeper is just in goal for that split second you've got to be explosive explosive and have that strength and how, how did it go for you did you feel like it, did you feel like it was successful did you feel stronger when you came back no sure I'm, you were nervous about the, yeah sorry go ahead i felt fit i felt good so i i trained every day and tried to be as sharp as i could and i mean I, there was a time especially when it was real lockdown i was just even having my girlfriend kick the ball to me <laughs> bounce the ball off the wall everybody was trying to get creative and trying to trying to stay sharp in any way possible so when it was when it got dark there for a minute and we were locked down for real, just bouncing the ball off the wall, trying to do some some squat jumps, some sprints, some stuff like that. So it was a it was an interesting time. Yeah, did she take to that aspect? Was she enjoying training you uh, and, and yelling at you here and there? Uh, she tried her best. Tried her best <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we, we, we had these conversations constantly with our players, you know, like how do you get better during this time period? Um you know, what, what can you focus on? And obviously the physical aspect is always going to be beneficial. Um, it's not the game, but it's a part of the game. And then we, we always talk and it's a little different for younger players. And I don't want to, we have a whole goalkeeping staff, so I don't want to get into the specifics on how the goalkeeper is different other than some of the things that you mentioned, right? Field players are more repeated actions and goalkeepers are more solitary explosive type actions. And so the physical requirements are different for the position. Um, so you know, my mom, my mom, my mom had sent me a, a New York Times article. I haven't read it yet, but she she said it was. Uh, I guess they were. I guess they were looking at Ventus or, or Ronaldo out of Ventus, and they were just saying like, "What did you do during during the suspension of play?" And he was saying that it was a it was a big improvement on his technical ability because that was all he could focus on. You know, he didn't get the game situational awareness. So I think in his case, maybe he took a bunch of free kicks plus, plus physical fitness on top of it. But that was kind of what we were stressing. And it's good to hear from a professional standpoint from you as well that, you know, you kind of make the most of it. And there are things that you can do when we're not allowed into contact. Well, let's yeah. transition there into contact. So you guys have been, you guys have played two games now since the return, two competitive games. You have a game tonight. How long were you guys able to train under actual soccer conditions? How long have you guys been playing with contact and training? it's hard to say now I'm losing track of the days. I think uh, we had a good three weeks leading into the two, three weeks of full training leading up. We got one preseason game against a league one team 
and then uh, we were we were thrown right into the mix. Uh, we had a lot of cancellations with games, a lot of rescheduled games, uh, everything being so uncertain that now that we've gotten back into the rhythm of it, we're going to have games every Saturday, every Wednesday for a while now. And, and we're playing against teams that got a little bit of a jump on us. They played seven games already, and we're here playing our second game. So we've got some catch-up to do, and we've got to get to game speed fast. So it's, it's going to be a difficult time, but we got to get the, get the ball rolling quick. Uh, these teams have been – they were all in the same position as us, stuck at home for a while. But with our cancellation, we're, we're playing our fourth game of the season where some teams have already played six, seven, eight games. So, And that's gonna, due to rescheduling? Sort of teams trying to, to figure out the logistics of getting you here and some games are on the schedule that we couldn't make work or the club or the league couldn't make, make fit into the schedule? Correct, correct. So we're going we're gonna to squeeze the schedule down. We played to the end of September. We've got 13 games left. So if you do, do the math, it's seven weeks, 13 games. It's going to be rapid fire here. <laughs> all right so let's talk about that for a second I, I was looking this up before we got on and then you and i spoke about it before we got started um but essentially the league is 35 teams there's about 16 on on uh our side the east and 17 on the west or vice versa and out of those 35 teams i think 16 make playoffs currently is that the case last year under non non-covid type type scenarios is it always 16 i believe so, I believe so. Yes, you have to on a regular year fill in or fall into the top eight, earn your way into the playoffs. And we're seeing the same thing now, except now they are managing distance traveled and logistics and they've placed you guys in pods, correct? You guys are in pod G or group G and there's four teams in there total. So make sure I don't mess this up. I'm going to pull this up. We've got Memphis in there. We've got Birmingham, NCFC and us. Correct, correct. So we're going to be – everybody's split into groups of four and five. You play every team, I believe, home and away twice. And uh, it's, it's repetitive playing every team over and over again, but it's the way it has to be with cut down on travel, cut down on, on time spent in hotels on the road. So it's just going to be safer for everybody. Right. And then obviously mixing with, with less different teams. You know, you've got a couple non-group games. Like tonight, you guys are playing the Charleston Battery. Um, I spent a lot of time working camps for for, um, for Ralph Lundy down at the College of Charleston, so I've seen a few of their games um, at their stadium. I think they've actually moved. Are they still at Blackboard? I think they might be playing. We haven't gone out there this season. They might be playing over at College of Charleston, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so you guys have got them tonight, and even though that is outside of Group G, it still counts towards the standings of Group G. And the goal Correct. is to be in the top two of your group. In our case, obviously, Group G and the top two from each of the eight groups are going to make the playoffs. Correct, correct. So we have uh, two teams, I believe, outside of our group, Miami and Charleston, that will play. And uh, those points still add up to our, our overall total to try to make it to first or second in the group to move on to playoffs. Yeah, great. Um, so the game tonight, this is, this is for anybody that's listening that happens to catch it today. But the game tonight, 7 o'clock, uh, today's August 8th. We have the Charlotte Independence playing the Charleston Battery. The game is at home, which means it's at the Sportsplex in Matthews. And it's also going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So 7 o'clock tonight, if you want to catch it, if you have access to ESPN+, Plus, if you have one of those Disney Plus subscriptions, it includes ESPN+. Plus. So a lot of people have that. So... Really good luck tonight. Hopefully it's uh, three points on the board. 
hopefully it's a, a good performance in addition to the three points. Is there anything that you want to leave us with, Austin? I really appreciate the time you've taken to speak with me and uh, hopefully anybody that listens to it today. No, I appreciate you having, on, having me on and uh, hopefully we get this stadium opened up and, and everything figured out so we can get some fans come out to the stadium and uh, everybody's looking forward to it. So right now playing, playing no games with no fans isn't quite as fun. So everyone's looking forward to getting some people out there and filling the stands. Yeah, so the first two home games for sure based off of the club's communication, if you go to their website, it's very similar to our club's win- website. The, the pro team's website is charlotteindependence.com. Obviously, the club, youth club's website is independentsoccer.club. So go to charlotteindependence.com. You can check out all the news. They obviously have social media presence as well. First two home games, we're actually on a three-home game track. Um, I'm going to mess up the dates, but it's Wednesday, Saturday for this Saturday, next Wednesday, and the Saturday afterwards. Uh, all at home, and the next two home games are no fans, but they will keep you posted, and they want fans out, and the players want fans out, and the environment's much better when we get there, so hopefully everybody can come out and support when they're allowed to do so. That's all for me, Austin. I really appreciate it, man. Good luck tonight. Thank you.